Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. I never thought I would have an occasion to say this on the pod, but the Supreme Court is impacting our lives and our sports lives. I don't know that this is really going to impact me directly, but what? indirectly it's going to have a huge impact. You don't think that the fact that states can now legalize sports gambling is going to have an impact on you personally? I don't think that I'm going to be doing that much sports gambling, quite frankly. Or that I'll be living in a state where it ends up <laughs> being legalized. I mean, I have to say that I was, I was cleaning out some, some old papers the other day, and I found some for Mr. I don't bet on sports too much. I found slips from NBA games that we bet on together. <laughs> I know, and that is exactly why go, we went 0 for 5. We went 0 for 5. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly why it's not going to happen. I mean... It's the first and last time that I've made a a bet for something that wasn't like beer or a burger. You want to talk about all this splendor? Did you like that episode of Westworld? I did. I did like this week. Do you like the Do you like the narrative choice that they made to do no William episode three, basically all William episode four? Like yes and no, um, because it meant that I didn't have any um, Wyatt. Oh, Dolores. Any Wyatt and and Maeve right now, um, which now I'm dreading the next episode. I know. Am I the like? Are we the only people in the world not excited for Samurai World? Like, I don't care. I thought that I was going to be excited for it. I'm not. But now that I've already won the bet, like, <laughs> I, I don't even have to be excited for it. That is true. Now that you've won the bet, I hope that the bet just gets blown out. Like, I hope that there are just ridiculous other worlds out there. The mystery has gotten larger I think we're starting to see maybe more of what they were trying, what they're hoping to tackle in season two. Are you buying what they're selling with the larger immortality type narrative? I it's yeah, it's starting to come together. I mean, that was one of the the theories that was kind of floating around in my brain about what they were trying to do. I mean, the narrative's coming together, but I don't know that that's the main one that they're. So it's weird, right? Under the park, you had Ford had his little um, tinker shack, right? Yes. Where he made Bernard. Yeah. Where he made his little family, etc. Arnold made his little family as a gift for him. I uh, was he's maintaining them, etc. Yes. Whatever you want to say. Um, okay, and then you have like the. Um, the corporate babes little weird um research den sure and then you have williams weird 
research den, which is perhaps the oldest. And so those are independent of each other? Well, I mean, Elsie doesn't know anything about the William research base one. Exactly. All right, really clear segue here. I am going to bitch and moan about the Middleton DL move. That was such BS. Kenyon Middleton, closer for the Los Angeles Angels, went on the D- DL because he had a sore elbow, comes back from the DL, plays three out of four games, and then, lo and behold, gets pulled from a game because, oh, his elbow felt sore. And then I picked up a closer because I was like, okay, they're going to put him on the DL this morning, and I want to have a closer for when they do that. Just won't do it. Won't put him on the DL, won't put him on the DL, won't put him on the DL, and then, boom, I drop the extra player. There he is on the DL within two hours. That was one of the worst timing Ugh. timing DL trips from a fantasy purpose that I've ever seen. <laughs> Mike Sosha... I don't know if there's a spot in hell that's cold <laughs> enough for you. I think, I mean, it all it always comes back to that they have so many day games at Wrigley <laughs> also hurting. Yeah, that really needs to stop. Like so many 220 games when you have no information about what the evening lineups are going to be. I thought them getting the lights would mean that they'd have more, right? <laughs> more night right? games. This week on the pod... It's all about strikeouts, and you've probably heard plenty about strikeouts in the zeitgeist, so we're going to try and give you our own little spin on it. I'm going to do a little primer, put some numbers on it, offer my favorite new metric, simple metric to look at this. Then Eric is going to talk about MLR, which when he texted me, I had no idea what he meant, and I finally figured it out when he started populating our outline. Here we go. Strikeouts. What are some good numbers? And two hundred. <laughs> all right. Thank you for you there. Know, it is. Did you did you look at the outline or just? I mean, so my key yep. question is to start here: is is the two hundred strikeout level what it once was? And this is really a smell test type thing. So here are your two thousand seventeen okay. guys: Zach Greinke, Robbie Ray. Carlos Carrasco, Corey Kluber, Clayton Kershaw, Luis Severino, Justin Verlander, Jeff Samarja, Jake DeGrom, Chris Archer, Yu Darvish, Steven Strasburg, Chris Sale, Max Scherzer, Carlos Martinez, Jose Quintana. I gotta be honest, I'm not really surprised by anybody on that list. No, they're all guys that I, you know can make it. Um, I would have been, but I mean, like, I would have been surprised. I you know, Robbie Ray. <laughs> uh, I would have done the same thing to Luis Severino for the season if you'd said he's going to hit 200 mark. Like, really? You're not. But, you're not. You're not thrown off by Quintana. I mean, if who's the last guy in on this list for you? Is it Severino? I think it's Quintana for me. Uh, I think. Um, oh no, no. I was saying I would have been surprised that he had made the leap. Gotcha. That year. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the number that I like, actually, the simple metric that I want to present is that I'm actually really liking looking at Ks per game started. So I'm trying to isolate what what we should expect from starting pitchers to give ourselves a good sense of, of what value actually is. And that's why I made the plot asking 
how what the average starting pitcher gets as a function function of games started. And that's 5.3 mm-hmm. strikeouts a game. 5.3. Yeah, no, that sounds that is sounds exactly right. So basically you should and this this is a lesson that took me a long time to learn. You should really only be rostering pitchers who are, you know, average or above. Better than that. And it's not it's not worth filling out the bottom of your lineup. It's not so a lesson that I learned and I think you can generally say this is that it's not worth starting the guys under that just really to stream pitchers. That's not a reliable strategy. That's yeah, that's not going to get you anywhere. No, exactly. Right, and that's that's interesting because I've always thought of it as when I look at the um <laughs> the number of projected starts in, in CBS each week, I just multiply that by 5 <laughs> and say, okay, that's that's the baseline. That's what that's what they're going to get. And then I look, and then I'm like, oh, man, that's Scherzer? Okay. Well, let's just add another five in there. No, I, I mean, I think that's probably <laughs> the right way to do it. The thing that's interesting about this metric is that it already folds in some averaging because it's the game started, not <clears throat> innings. So I'm not thinking about Ks yep. per nine. And part of the reason that I like this right. is because you get a slightly different list if you look at the guys last year who had Ks per game started great greater than seven. So these are really valuable guys saying that on average, every time they went mm-hmm. out there, they got seven Ks every start. And this, this is, is a list. list. Robbie Ray, Carrasco, yeah. Kluber, Kershaw, Severino, DeGrom, Archer, Strasburg, Sale, Scherzer. Yeah, I mean, this is a good list because these are the guys that, I I mean, I think that a lot of the, when we were talking k- yes. pitching, yes. when we were um, talking other K-centric strategies, these are the guys that come up, and especially in that list, I'll highlight Chris Archer, Robbie Ray, and um, I mean, to a lesser extent, DeGrom, as guys who are historically undervalued, undervalued because there are other, other Je ne sais quoi. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, DeGrom especially because because of the injury uh, or because of, like, some injury history oh. as well. Um, and injury adjacent. And injury adjacent, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, there's definitely some extra wear and tear on his arm because of the rest of his team. Uh, the game of Mets Russian roulette Mets, hit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, all right. So I like that list. I think that list is actually a little bit stronger smell test in terms of like, these are guys that are worth starting every time because anything else that they do is balanced out by the fact that they get so many Ks. Yeah, exactly. Fast forward to this year. Now we're back to operating on some small number statistics. So you can maybe convince yourself that some of these guys are actually regression candidates and i'm curious to know your thoughts on this the list is actually exploded for guys that have averaged more than seven k's per start robbie ray nick kingham luis severino justin verlander trevor cahill james paxton charlie morton trevor bauer patrick corbin shohei otani max scherzer chris sale freddie peralta everyone's new favorite pitcher steven strasberg and garrett cole we got some speculations on this list <laughs> Yeah, the Kingham one is. <laughs> Everyone's talking about Kingham. It feels like. 
Charlie Martin. Charlie, I'm still upset I, last year. I understand. <laughs> I still upset last year, mentioning him in passing at the end and being like, oh, maybe I should take a flyer on him. You should have. Didn't. So again, this is this is strikeouts versus divided by games started. So instead of doing strikeouts versus strikeouts per inning, so like the traditional K per nine, I actually want to know, you know, how many you try and sort of marginalize over the innings that you expect them to pitch in a given start and just skip right to asking how many Ks they're going to get. Um, and, I mean, you like Garrett Cole, obviously. Doing pretty well. I, I think he's going to do well right up until the point that he gets hurt. <laughs> what do you think of Freddie Peralta? One start, 13 Ks so far. I'm going to take the <laughs> under on number of Ks. For oh, next come game. on. No, all right. All right. All right. Let's make this let's make this a fair one. <laughs> um, how about this? I'll give you I'll give you half. Okay, I'll take the under for the rest of the season on him averaging 13 Ks a start. <laughs> <laughs> Let me How about this? Next start. I don't I don't even know what his next start is. Over okay. under is six right. and a half. Uh, I'll take the under. Really? All right. I mean, Basically, he's going to remain on this list for another start unless he, <laughs> unless he gets only one K. Which has been known to happen. Yeah, I mean, James Paxton himself went from 16 Ks to, you know, a still respectable 16. <laughs> That's quite a drop-off. That, that is, yeah. This list. It's an interesting list. I'm going to keep track of this over the course of the season and see who bounces in and out. But it's interesting that... We can already expect some measure of stability from this because you see the guys that you expect mm-hmm. on here. Some of the guys that you see on here are no-brainers. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We think there's a lot of good baseball talk in this pod and plenty more that we had to keep on the cutting room floor. Here's an outtake. Descending to the underworld into SQL and like, ugh just a bunch of garbage and so i emerged i don't know i think the better analogy is you're gandalf following the balrog down down through the uh mines of moria i like that but i actually think it's a little bit more destroying the ring because i felt like i was saved by the i felt like i was saved <laughs> by the eagles at the end this year i've made a concerted effort to get back to modeling basics and try to work some linear regression back into the mix. Have you been noticing this, Mike? I mean, I'm a huge fan of linear regression. Even the machine learning that we've done has been under the hood has ultimately been linear regression. Fitting lines, that's what it is. Um, But, you know, maybe I should back up a second. Mike, do you have a stock response when you're asked, what is linear regression? My stock response is just that it's, simply trying to fit a line to some noisy data points. I, that's, I think that's a logical response. I think the key is to mix in, to say that there's noise. You know that there's uncertainty in it. You're trying to, you're trying to minimize that uncertainty. Right, thus the fitting of the line. Right, and to get everyone back to high school math, really we're trying a linear regression line um, has an equation of the form y equals a plus b times x, where a is a constant and b is the slope of the slope or the coefficient of the um, independent variable, the explanatory explanatory variable, and y is the dependent variable. 
basically you're trying to create a function of x that equals y, which is the um, variable that you're interested in. So in this case, um, this week I decided that I would actually shake things up a little bit and work on MLR, multiple linear regressions. I don't know, is that, so that's not a term that you used before or heard before, Mike? I hadn't heard the abbreviation. Oh, no, really? I, I was not familiar with MLR. I thought for a minute that you were going to talk to me about machine learning in R. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> um, yeah, if you yeah. Google it, that's like the first result. Yeah, no thanks. Um, I, that might be... That might be a British thing, so maybe you're going to run into it more on the other side of the pond. Because I yeah. learned statistics and modeling mostly from Brits, so, you know, there's that and stuff like that. So multiple linear regressions. Why figure out a model for a dependent variable based on just one explanatory variable? So, that gets us to the business of Ks. Uh, I was listening to the Friends with Fantasy Benefits podcast. I heard them mm -hmm. bandying stats, feebly defending their points, uh, trying to make accusations and predictions about players based on <laughs> cherry-picking different stats. So I thought to myself, wait, we're smarter than this. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the prompt. Can we create a model from commonly used advanced stats that can better predict regression candidates all right so how do i get going well it all starts with a correlation matrix <laughs> as all good things as do all good things do a correlation <laughs> matrix um correlation coefficients um we've talked about them before but a correlation coefficient says like uh, like how closely the two variables um track with each other so i put together a matrix which shows for each variable that I scrape from fan graphs, um, these are four starting pictures, um, how they correlate with each other. Mike, are you finding, do you find this easy to, to read? Um, Ooh, that's, that's a no. Is this like not a well, color so blind the sensitive? The thing that I would do, graph? oh, no, I find it totally easy to read. I think that there are too many for variables. For me, I like, well, I like correlation matrices that I would reorganize this so that you have some order, like in the sense mm. that you, you, you go from dark to light, like you reorganize the, you basically pseudo PCA this, right? And try and pull out which ones are the principal components Okay. in the sense that you reorder, reorder the one of the two axes. So your diagonal will no longer be same size. One, yeah. Diagonal will well no even your diagonal will no longer be just one right because you have a you have a whole line of diagonals here because only the bottom of this is valid because it's it's a symmetric matrix mm -hmm. across the diagonal so you don't really need the upper triangle. And then I would just on the x-axis I would change you don't <laughs> I would just change the in this case anyway um, I would just change the order. I mean, for instance, I, and the thing that's crazy to me is that ERA stands out from all the other ones. Oh, this. yeah. no, ERA is, this just tells you ERA is a bad stat. Oh, yeah. And it, it doesn't, <laughs> it only correlates to the statistics that are trying to 
uh, improve on ERA. So FIP, yes. XFIP, FIP. Yes, and it anti and unsurprisingly, it anti correlates with with things that tell you when you have a bad pitcher <laughs> or a lucky pitcher. I mean, I'm looking at left on base, which is oh yeah, like I think I, is always a very interesting metric to glance at because it tells you so much about luck, frankly. Right. Like it's very hard to explain that with fielding. Um, and those are anti correlated. Yeah, strongly. Uh, then I put together a simple linear regression where K's was the dependent variable and innings pitch was the independent variable. And here's the moral summary. Mike, do you use many um, site packages that, like the um, the Scikit and whatnot with uh, linear regression packages, or do you just do your own thing? I, I like to roll my own. I just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like a... I like this because it gives you a larger view, but I like, you know, I'm like a find your favorite and just do a, a one, <laughs> one tool to tell you everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is the... Well, so this multiple linear regression is calculated through ordinary least squares. Uh, I would encourage you to look that up i'm not going to explain it right now um so what's really frustrating here uh, is that so when you look at the correlation matrix what you find is that the statistic that uh correlates the heaviest the most with strikeouts is innings pitched Mm -hmm. and so you can create a very good model based on innings pitch. So what do we have? We have a coefficient of 0.9492. So for every inning, pitchers generally get 0.9492 Ks, (laughs) which is just under um, somewhere in the range of like eight 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 and a hair. Um, K's per inning. Yeah, it's K's really interesting because you K's per nine. Yeah, which what tells you. I mean, this this actually plays really well off of the the stuff that I was talking about in the first half. Oh, absolutely. And this, but the thing that I want to emphasize is that we're actually talking about slightly different regimes here because you were talking about the the bulk of pitchers, and I really talked about the tail. And this distribution is not as fair for the tail if you just look at your plots in particular right. your residual for the model. Yeah, it, at the high end of innings pitched, this isn't valid anymore. Right, exactly. And um, so not only do we have we have the summary, and then we have a couple of some some great ma- uh, graphs. And really, those pitchers that are up uh, above above forty innings, the model really starts to break down. Yeah, I agree with that. The model really starts to it's break. Really, sort of a, break down. Really, almost a totally almost a different slope. Like almost a broken slope there. It's well, I mean, it's sort of a parametric equation. I, I mean, in a way that, because mm. there's a bit of a curve, or maybe it's exponential, very long. What would be the? It'd have to be a really low e folding time. Um, yeah. Actually, I I have a question. Do you, is this all starters or did you? Is this all pitchers? Just all starters. I'm sorry. I should have said that. Starters. Okay. From Fangraphs, I scraped 
statistics for all starting pitchers. Okay. Who are classified in their system as starting pitchers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm you know, okay. I don't know what your league counts as a starting pitcher. <laughs> but really, could this be any more boring? <laughs> no. It uh it really couldn't. All right. This is fine. All right, so this is a perfect reason for why um, I decided to go the um, MLR route. So instead of sussing out Ks, let's try figuring out K per nine rates with multiple <laughs> linear regression. Now, oh boy. we're just told that K per nine rates don't matter. So perfect timing. <laughs> perfect timing. So... Um, some of the statistics that were most heavily correlated with K per nine um, were strikeouts, duh, uh, strikeout percent, strikeout to walk percent, XFIP, and Sierra, which is uh, Fangraph's new um, advanced statistic, which is a better version of ERA cooler version of ERA. So I put together the model with the with um, K per nine as a function of K percent, K to walk percent, Sierra, and XFIP. Mm -hmm. So pitchers that were highlighted here, um, top 15 pitchers that could get better based on on the um, the MLR equation. Garrett Cole, who's already at a whopping 13.66 K per nine. Justin Verlander. Corey Kluber. Blake Snell. Patrick Corbin. Luis Severino. Tyler Chatwood. Julio Tehran, who can't get Ks to save his life. Max Scherzer. Charlie Morton. Jacob deGrom. Carlos Carrasco. Sean Newcomb, Junior Guerra, and recently acquired Tyler Anderson. Yeah, and or a recently attempted to acquire. Yeah, well, depends on what your name is. Actually, it's kind of funny because instead of Tyler Anderson, I got Junior Guerra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just one of the lists. Right. So this is sort of sort of fun. Um, these are, I mean. Most of these pitchers are really good pitchers. <laughs> and then you have a couple of surprises. Like the Blake Snell one is. I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. Dude still hasn't dude still hasn't quite grown into his skill set. Or his body. Very Dang well, that I was trying boy. to be politer than you, but yes, go ahead. Uh Tyler Chatwood as well. I mean, we all know that he can strike yeah. strike people out, but Yes. Can he also limit the uh, everything else? <laughs> I think it's interesting that Charlie Morton appears on this list as well. Yeah, Charlie Morton is just playing so well in an Astros uniform. I don't blame him. I, I mean, mean, helps to helps to have the world champion team behind yeah, you on some no, level. <laughs> that that does not hurt. So the opposite direction. Here are some players that that this picked out. This is from best to worst. The person at the bottom. I'm gonna list last as the one who has, uh, who I think is gonna regress the most. Um, 
negatively, that is. Tyler Skaggs, Mike Fulton-Nevich, Garrett Richards, Clayton Kershaw, John Gray, Trevor Bauer, Nick Pavetta, Gio Gonzalez, I'm sorry, Mike, Andrew Triggs, again, sorry, Mike, <laughs> Cole Hamels, sorry, myself, <sighs> Noah Syndergaard, <laughs> Jay Happ, again, sorry for myself, Vince Velasquez, <laughs> Dylan Bundy, and Kent Ameda. Kent Ameda is not surprising. Maeda, I, um, I think in our own defense, it's fine if you own these guys now. This list is just telling you... Get Get out. rid of them immediately. <laughs> Get out now. While you still can. Yeah. You want to wrap this sucker up? All right. Yes, uh, it looks like you have a new favorite Dude, why, Premier why League Why is Huddersfield my new favorite Premier League team? Is it because they play in John Smith's Oh, do they stadium? really? <laughs> Love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> could be any John Smith, frankly. The, Who knows? Who I it mean, is. there's an invisible hand that makes me think of someone. Wow. Um, well, that's interesting. Huddersfield. Are you excited about Cardiff? Of course, I'm excited about Cardiff. It's always good to see. Always good to see a non-English team in there. Yeah. No, Cardiff. Cardiff is coming up. Oh, Cardiff is coming up. I like oh right. Who else, who else is going? Who else is coming up? Uh, I don't know. It's it's still up to like Middlesbrough and Fulham and um, Wolverton Wanderers, I believe. So it's heating up. It's heating up. Top of the table is pretty boring. <laughs> in, in the EPL, yeah. Yeah, it's like everybody you expect. Yeah, I mean Arsenal falling out of the top four and um, and Chelsea. I mean Chelsea's gonna be five and five. six. Like I understand that you want to be in the top four, but <laughs> they're gonna go to Europe. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, another year. Another oh, year yeah. down. I don't know. Maybe next year might have to be a bigger year. Well, that about brings us to the review session. Golden Eye. I thought I I would prefer you to sing the pure intro like the string pizzicato hits. Oof. I I don't think I could do and that. And then the just the My really vocals. strong clicks from the drum set. Rim shots. I got to say with the exception of the model work in this movie, flawless. <laughs> which which model work did you take the most issue with? The MIGs. The MIGs are terrible. The MIGs so bad. falling out of the air during the EMP is just atrocious. It is just so bad. Just. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is hard to believe it with that gigantic budget that they could blunder that badly. What were they thinking? I, I mean, someone should have watched that and, like, realize that that was a bad idea now did you remember that this was did you did you remember right off the bat that this was pierce brosnan's immediate first bond movie oh absolutely no i I remember i so i had sort of forgotten that which made m's comment calling him a a misogynistic dinosaur just all the better like oh yeah oh yeah they did change 
first M movie. That's first right. Bond, uh, first Pierce Brosnan Bond. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of changes. First movie in like nine years or whatever the heck it was. Yeah. Seven years. Still, Any, uh, still remember it very positively. Oh, I know, and I enjoyed just, it. I enjoyed it so much. Just so. Positive. This has got to be the only. This has got to be the last movie, I guess, that Sean Bean tried an RP accent, the like southern, <laughs> southern British accent. Uh, always good to see Sean Bean out there uh, doing stuff. I mean. He needed to transition to the more tragic hero roles instead of the the bad guy. He's an unconvincing and just sort of dirty, uncomfortable villain. One thing that I thought very early in the movie, um, it kind of had this like realization. I really thought that casinos were all like that. Oh yes. So I when yeah. and, and yep, yep, yep. like the first time that I walk into a c- casino, I'm like, "This why is there no one in the tuxedo?" <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of dirty in here, and uh, everyone's dirty, sad. Smoke filled. <laughs> this isn't this isn't what James Bond told me casinos were like. Where's my baccarat table? <laughs> All right, so what are we gonna watch this week? I think it's time to, you know, as we look ahead to visiting one of our favorite franchises, I think it's time to visit a different franchise. Stay out of space (laughs) for a minute. Stay out of the modern era. We got to go full fantasy, hit a franchise. And I want to do Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, wow. I want to get a little bit more Sean Bean. I wasn't quite done with him, if we're being honest. Not done with Need to see (laughs) Sean Bean die one more time. Um, Fellowship of the Ring. I I like it. Are we special? Obviously, obviously. All right, special edition. I'm psyched. Uh, obviously, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools, mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools@gmail.com. Again. Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!